Hello and welcome to Flourish, a podcast for the University of Queensland student political scene brought to you by the Semper Floriate team. My name is Rowan Evans. I am the current chief editor of Semper uh, and I'll let my two co-hosts introduce themselves. Um, I'm Maddie Taylor. I'm a current criminology student, perpetual lurker of two years in student politics, soon to be actually involved. <laughs> uh, and I'm Sam. I'm doing my honours in bioinformatics uh, and I was treasurer of the UK Union in 2018. Wonderful. Uh, and so today we're bringing you a, a little bit of an episode about, uh, first we've got an interview with the current student rights vice president, Kai Yin Wu, uh, and then we're going to be talking a little bit later about uh, the split of focus that's after the break. Uh, so today we're talking about, uh, you know, the main question I think is, what is the union? Guys, what does the union mean to you? Mm, well, I know, I guess it's, it's meant to be the peak student representative body at UQ. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I guess it has like a number of like elected students who are in charge of representing other students mm-hmm. goes from everything from clubs and societies, uh, which are like, I guess, a department of the UQ union, um, to other things like student advocacy, sitting on different committees and boards, discussing mm-hmm. with the university. Uh, I guess the interesting thing about the UQ union uh, is that like it owns a number of businesses on campus. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and I guess that technically kind of includes property. Yeah. Uh, but say like um, the UQ Chanel Theatre, yeah. Uh, so that's currently managed by the UQ Union, yeah. uh, but also like a number of shops like the Lolly Shop, uh, the main refectory, so like in the main food court area, that kind of canteen one. Um, then what else does the UQ Union? Uh, I don't know, you haven't left yeah. a lot for Maddie. Maddie. I, mean, I mean, like, what is a union? Like, it represents the people that it sort of relates to, I guess, and I think the importance of having a union at a university is to make sure that, like, students still get an actual input on things that you know the university might be proposing for example like let's go back to chanel like yeah. you yeah. know knocking down the whole thing and building a um administration controlled um theater that isn't necessarily going to give a decent platform to you know student um student arts i guess yeah, yeah i think those are both things that the union does for me it's always meant food and <laughs> yeah. the naturally yeah. Um, so today we're talking about to somebody who has been incredibly heavily involved in student rights uh, and the advocacy side of the union's mission. Uh, so I'll play a little bit of our interview Wait, actually, with Kayin. Um Do we want to talk about what we plan on doing with this podcast first? Good point. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, yeah. 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 So like, um, I guess the question is like, like, why bother doing a UQ student politics podcast? fun to have an archive I suppose I mean like I I mean I'm sitting with two people here who've been at UQ longer than I have so it's kind of interesting to hear stuff about like you know when um you know what what student politics at UQ was like before I was even here so I guess that's kind of you know we want to sort of set something formal up for students in you know a few years time to look back on a bit you know about 2019 and you know what happened and yeah yeah. yeah. So when I first arrived at UQ, UQ, you when I first arrived at UQ, the union was sort of going through this uh, finding itself kind of phase after kind of getting lost in the wilderness with uh, the fresh era. Uh, and so when I first arrived, there was all these stories floating around. I think those stories were really super interesting. Uh, and more and more, the people who were actually involved in that that saga were all graduating, uh, and so we're losing that kind of story and that I guess oral history that is passed down through student politics. So. Uh, for me, I think this podcast is a lot about like making that time capsule for future students. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I guess uh, for me, it's about. Uh, I know there's so many people who want to listen to this, 
Yeah. Uh, we probably have like a massive base of just everyday students <laughs> tuning in on a weekly basis, I uh, guess, to, to learn about what's happening here. Yeah, um, 100%. I think people will be uh, structuring their lives around this podcast. Yeah, for sure. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. For sure. This is definitely going to be, you know, like every UQ student has to be subscribed to this. It'll just be like a rite of passage for yeah. any new enroll. Yeah. It'll actually be on well, sign it that you have to click on the the button to subscribe to this podcast. Okay. Maybe, sure. maybe we can get sure. an official endorsement from UQ first years. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> okay. Uh, so let's move on to um, to like the the question of what is student rights. Um, for that, I'm going to play you a little bit of an interview that I did with uh, Kai and Wu this morning. Hello and welcome to the Semper's Jupolco podcast, a show where we talk about the world of student politics and the people within it. Our guest today is current student rights vice president, Kai-Yin Wu. Kai-Yin, how are you doing today? Hey, Rowan. Great to be here. Thank you. Excellent. Can you just explain for the, the, the listeners what, what the UQ Union is? Oh, well, the UQ Union is the uh, representative body for all students at UQ. Um, so essentially every year, um, you have a number of student executives, um, your student representatives, who are elected to the union by students. Um, essentially what we do throughout the year is we um, advocate for students in any number of ways. Um, so what we do is we manage clubs and societies. So we engage, uh, help engage your social life, we run social events, um, and obviously what I do as well in the student rights portfolio, so I stand up for, I speak up for students on academic matters, um, and we support students through welfare initiatives like Canvas Kitchen, um, Morning Marmalade, uh, and essentially uh, what we try to do is we empower and support students as much as we can in their time at university. Uh, so Kayan, you are the current Vice President of Student Rights, um, tell us what you what, what does that mean? Um, so in the union there's two VP Vice President Student Rights every year. Um, and this year, the student rights portfolio has been kind of split into two roles. Um, so what I do is I undertake the academic advocacy part of it. So I look after academic advocacy. I try and advocate for students in terms of um, the educational uh, well-being. Um, and I try to strengthen student representation as well. Because uh, we know that student representation is so important for academic advocacy. Um, so those are my two roles. Uh, and then on the other side of student rights, um, you have the community portfolio, which looks after morning marmalade, uh, campus kitchen, and the volunteering program. So guys, um, what does student rights mean to you? What's, what's the time that you, just based on what you've heard from Kai and just there, like what's been a time that you wish the student rights VP was on your side? I'm going to pass that to you. Uh, so yeah, I actually didn't have a very good story myself. Yeah. Um, uh, but I did have a friend who went uh, through something uh, relatively recently. Um, so he, he actually wanted uh, to, so he originally started his engineering degree in a different major. Mm. Uh, and then I think uh, he then like maybe like after a semester or so decided to change his major uh, to something like almost completely different uh, and now I guess at the end of his degree he was planning on like I guess upgrading it to a master's uh, however there was like a certain GPA cutoff for that mm. uh, and the like if it was from like all the subjects in his current major he would have like easily passed that GPA yeah. cutoff uh, but because like I know he'd done badly in his previous major, which I can understand why you'd like not do well in a other major because you don't like it and then you switch out. Um, mm. Yeah, but yeah. yeah. So because he went through that situation, uh, yeah, he wasn't able to like I guess do the master's program. Uh, so uh, after that, he went and like talked to like admin and like obviously the first person like at the front desk like didn't care. Uh, yeah. They were just like ah oh, no, nah. yeah. nah, I can't do anything. Uh, and then just he just had to like elevate it again and again. Uh, and yeah, like the the rule didn't make too much sense because like he'd been doing fine since like he changed his major. Mm. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I guess that's a time when 
yeah having that support would have been good yeah i think for me it's just like those uh lecturers who are determined to upload everything to blackboard as a dot doc file <laughs> the people who have yeah. never heard of what a pdf is i yeah. think it's, it's the one that uh, i think this is the kind of thing that kyan should be getting these, these are the pressing issues yeah. um yeah. yeah but i mean also when i was in my fifth year of uni i enrolled in a first year course and it was just oh, yeah, yeah. unlike anything else i had ever done because <laughs> for some reason that we had to print off a uh, study guide that was about like 50 pages long uh, and then refer to it every week uh, and the actual readings that we were supposed to do were in the study guide instead of on blackboard uh, and this kind of thing uh, this is just like these are the things that we deal with I think um, when you've when you've grown accustomed to not doing anything <laughs> any courses, think, yeah. enrolling in a first year course in your fifth year and, and finding something difficult to do yeah <laughs> tragic are, yes these are the rights that are being <laughs> Um, yeah, but I guess it's generally like like what is Kyan meant to do? Like for, I guess people who like don't exactly know what a mm. like the academic VP is meant well, to be doing. Advocacy. Yeah, well that's an excellent question, uh, <laughs> Sam. I'll, I'll play you a little bit more of our uh, our tape there. Cool. So uh, so you're responsible for academic advocacy. Uh, how much of that job is kicking down lecturers' doors and like bashing them up for being grubs? Ah, uh, less than I'd hope so. Yeah. Um, there's more just emailing them and asking politely if they would reconsider what they've done um, more so than bashing down doors and uh, yeah. yeah and do you find that's a tactic that works asking uh, look in my honest opinion I think um, in some cases the university kind of only responds to aggressive tactics right. um, I find that sometimes when you were to ask nicely of the university to do something, they kind of just respond, oh, yeah, it's really great. Um, you know, it's not feasible in the budget right now. Like, it's a great idea. We'll look at it, like, you know, two or three years down the track. Um, so if, if you want something done immediately mm. in the university, then you, you do need to, you know, implement these sort of door-bashing uh, tactics and do things aggressive. Yeah, and how aggressive do you get? I guess, well, you, you've always got to be wary of maintaining a, like, good working relationship with the university, right? Yeah. So I guess it's, like, just about um, making the university feel like there's pressure from the students on them about a lot of things. So um, probably the main thing this year that I've done is probably emplacement. Um, so while, so we were engaging with the UK Employability Centre, so while we weren't sort of openly aggressive towards them, you know, we did run this big media campaign, and, like, get all these students behind yeah. um, the campaign. So when we do come to them to discuss things, they feel like there's uh, an amount of pressure on them to, mm. to act. Yeah, there's a lot of students who are like going through that probably emplacement at the moment, like not having enough money to pay for Yeah, we got a really strong response over 360 yeah. students filled out like a 15 question yeah. set a really detailed so right um, yeah. and did you get a good spread of the schools as well yeah so the biggest respondents from, were from sort of nursing midwifery social work uh, education uh, medicine and veterinary science yeah uh, but we got people from all types like engineering like communication yeah. arts like places you didn't even know like had placements before yeah um, so it was a good spread yeah as an education student myself I can't even think how I'm going to do placement when I eventually do it um so, so when it comes to actually getting the uni to do anything, you know, like how how do, how do you make this happen? Do you ask politely or do you strong arm? Well, or do, me, you, do you let yourself be strong armed by asking politely? <laughs> yeah. Well, for me, I've always found that sandwiches, like just offering sandwiches yes. uh, tends to work. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Yeah. Can you speak from experience? I can speak from wrong? experience on this one. Tell uh, us. I don't know if you guys have read Semper Flori this year, but we've um, made a name for ourselves in that. Uh, just offering sandwiches to people if they come in for an interview. Uh, yep. It works especially well when the people are 
very obviously ignoring your requests for interviews. Wait, does that mean that we're going to have to give sandwiches when people come in for interviews with us for the podcast? That could be a good idea. That's a very good idea. Yeah, I back that one. Okay. Um, Let's get a subway platter. Yeah. We get sandwiches for us too, right? Yeah, sandwiches for us too would be good. Um, Sandwiches. (laughs) Sam, have you ever had reason to use aggressive tactics as as union treasurer? Uh, so I'll, I'll be completely honest. It, it wasn't really as much my job uh, when I was treasurer to go and talk to the university so much. Mm. Uh, that was mainly handled by the president and secretary. Um, I guess there were a number of cases where like, I did go into meetings like when people were sick. Uh, but yeah, I'm actually not too sure. But mm. I'm like the, the best person to like, comment on this. Uh, but I do have to say that like, yeah, it is a pretty common strategy in bureaucracy to just say like, oh, budget constraints or we'll look into that that's a really good idea Uh, and there's like and especially like i think the biggest weakness of the union actually is the revolving door of Mm. like leadership Mm. Uh, so like as kind was saying like they'll just tell students like oh that's a really good idea uh maybe we'll like look into it and we'll see what we can do to try and solve your problem uh but then that student just graduates uh and then like everyone just like completely forgets that was a problem in the first place yeah uh and the university has kind of gotten away with Mm. like not handling it um, the same in the union. If you have an election every year with like a new president, yeah. and even like different parties with different priorities, they just come in, like have no idea. University just plays the exact same game every year. Oh yeah, yeah. Like you guys can have more money next year, or like <laughs> you guys can do this program next year. Yeah. Uh, new student, like oh that's a great idea again. You guys can do that next year. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I can kind of talk from experience on strong-arming the uni and the uni strong-arming me <laughs> like when when the um sort of when the protest came around in july what protests the china protests <laughs> specifically um come come july 31st when the second when the second protest happened we had a meeting with the university sort of about this and you know they they go you know we're gonna we're gonna move it to this location it's going to be safer the police have asked for this and you go yeah okay sure and you think they're on your side and then you go you, you leave 10 minutes later going no and then you say no and you decide to hold it where you originally intended to anyway and they have no problem with it so you know it's evident that they that they don't have your best interests at heart they're just you know in it for themselves yeah i've heard this is actually a, a common tactic as well in in universities in particular uh, to do with like sexual assault and anti-sexual assault and uh yeah activists uh so apparently what they tend to do uh is that they will take an activist put them on a committee uh and then essentially just wait until that student graduates yeah so mm-hmm. basically the committee is as slow as it can be uh has you know glacial process progress uh, and eventually uh nothing gets done the student graduates and then the committee gets shut down okay. and the same thing happened here with um, the fossil free movement so uh, everybody that was involved in the fossil free movement when they had like large scale protests they stormed the chancellery yeah. in i think 2013 uh, and and uh, you know those those were like those students just graduate those students have all graduated now and yeah. there is now no longer a fossil free movement on campus because you know they just don't have the institutional backing that the university does that allows the university to wait out uh, wow. activists yeah so yeah. pretty good situation for university knowing that like people age out and like five years or something maximum almost yeah 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 so yeah i think that's uh i think that's one of the the benefits of being a a student in their seventh year (laughs) (laughs) i would recommend to everyone uh, stay in uni for as long as possible 
Okay. So what do you think has been your biggest achievement as Student Rights Vice President? I think probably establishing the Academic Advocacy Network. Because, um, so, so how student representation has really worked in previous years is, um, so it's in, in each school and faculty typically there's a number of student representatives that sit on committees, and committees are kind of like the um, internal decision-making bodies of the university. So that's where all the, um, all the important mm. stuff happens. And basically, you'd have student representation on those committees, but the lecturers would kind of like just pick their like favorite students to go onto it. Right. They just tap like friends on the shoulder and be like, "Oh, hey, like you're a good student. Do you want to like be a student representative?" And these people, like, not to say that they're bad student representatives, but you know, they tend to come from a certain like um, the GPA sevens, right? Yeah, GPA sevens. Yeah, they they tend to come from a certain cohort of students. Yeah. Um, and in, in addition, they don't have the direct sort of accountability to the students, right? Mm. Like, if you're picked by a lecturer, then you kind of when you get on there, you don't want to like say anything that would annoy them or. Yeah rock the boat, so to speak. For sure. Um, so establishing the Academic Advocacy Network, um, what we did was we basically put the union behind mm-hmm. a network of student representatives and they felt that they had a level of independence from their schools and faculty so they right. could actually speak out um, mm-hmm. strongly on issues that they felt they need to speak out on. Guys, real quick, GPA 7 students, are they in or are they out? Out. Out. I, I don't know. I, I'm still impressed when someone says they have a GPA of 7. How I'm many people in. How many people have you met that actually have a GPA of seven? Um, well, like, obviously, like, there are people who have had GPA sevens. I'm not sure. I, I don't know of anyone who's graduated with a GPA seven. Uh, mm. But I've talked to, like, plenty of friends who, like, at the start of their third year uh, were still on a seven. Mm. Um, I haven't really, like, caught up to ask them what their GPA is now, though. <laughs> but that, 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 would be, that would be curious. They don't exist. Yeah. No, they, they do exist and I think they, they come in Shut a up, variety Sam. of they don't. <laughs> no, I'm pretty sure yeah my mum always told me that the GPA definitely caps out at like 5.4 yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. true yeah. how true this is <laughs> right cool so how does somebody get involved in the, the academic advocacy network uh, so we are actually currently recruiting for a couple of positions yeah. um, so typically uh, it's sort of you know end of semester 2 and then the beginning of semester 1 for each year um, we put out notices on our social media to recruit certain positions certain schools um, and we just invite anyone to put in a, put in an expression of interest. Cool. And then, uh, like, how do you pick the best ones? Oh uh, yeah. So it, it's always difficult uh, doing this kind of stuff because uh, as a student like yourself, you kind of know a lot of people. Especially right. for me as a science student, like mm. if I was to pick someone in the science faculty, like I'd be pretty biased, right? Um, so what I tend to do is in the union we have a number of staff members. Obviously, Glenda Jacobs, who's the manager of student advocacy and strategy. Um, so we usually put together a small panel of. Um, independent people so Glenda would be the first person I would sort of go to about making a partial decision yeah mm. so when, mm. when I was in the union I guess uh, that was kind of when the idea behind the advocacy network was put mm. forward I believe the idea behind it was that currently like as I guess Kyle was saying there's a lot of like students that sit on committees around the university but they're just uh, tapped by the lecturer mm. um, but I think probably like what's maybe like so one of the benefits of the advocacy network uh, as he mentioned during the interview, is that now the people that are on the board are more independent from the actual university like staff that sit on that committee themselves. Um, where I actually see this entire thing to be like far more like I guess powerful um, is actually the fact that they are now part of a network, so they don't necessarily operate independently. Uh, they can get together and I guess collaborate, figure out like what things are working in your faculty or not. And I'm I'm not entirely sure. Uh, if that's, I guess, been achieved this year? I think to an extent it has, because I think there's like there's definitely the sense that if you are just on the university version of this, which is the student-staff partners program, that there's almost a divide-and-conquer attitude about it. And like, yeah. 
Uh, you don't necessarily introduce everybody to each other such that they are able to coordinate against the university. Yeah. Um, and I've been to a couple of the student staff partners events and the depth of the conversations there is usually like, hey, can you add me on LinkedIn? Um, <laughs> which gives me the sense that at the end of the day, a lot of these people are out there to resume pad. Um, so I think in that sense, the academic advocacy network sort of pitches itself at it actually pitches itself at the GPA fives, and whereas student staff partners yeah. is more at those like high achieving people. Yeah. Uh, and so that that I think is the distinction. So I think academic advocacy network is working in the sense that it's attracting a lot of people that are actively involved in uh, not necessarily student politics, but in clubs and societies and people that like have a an idea of like other people already. Anyway, yeah, so it's yeah. more it's making more official the people that are have something to do with this this network already. Okay, so something that actually concerned me at the start of this year mm. was the selection process. Uh -huh. uh, because um, I guess with the, the previous method, like lectures would tap with people on the shoulder. Yeah. Uh, but I was concerned that this would just be like the union tapping people on the shoulder. Mm. Uh, so I thought it was um, quite interesting that like Kai now is talking about, I guess, trying to like make it more transparent uh, yeah. and more official. Yeah. Uh, and that was like involved with uh, Glenda. Yeah, so Glenda is our student advocacy and strategy manager. So she currently runs what used to be Shock, is now student advocacy and strategy. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, so she is basically behind all the the, the official version of what Kayin does. So whereas Kayin sort of emails people and send like knocks on people's doors, etc. Uh, the student advocacy and strategy is more about like actually filling out your forms and making sure that you've got the right appeals process uh, down pat. Uh, so does student advocacy and strategy still do like? Like LGBT stuff and like yeah, migrant stuff. Yeah, so that's one side of it. So that that is obviously there are specific needs that LGBT students have where they are uh, somewhat disadvantaged in certain scenarios, and therefore we need to educate them uh, on those grounds. Uh, and so the academic advocacy network comes into it, wherein we need students to be able to coordinate and have positions on committees and be able to discuss those positions and what what ought to be the uh, large-scale um, coordinated efforts to change university policy yeah do you have any anecdotes just of uh, uh, lecturers who have been a bit interesting to work with oh, lecturers been interesting I guess um, so one thing that happened was uh, oh it's actually something you tagged me in oh, right. talk space world. yeah so yeah. the student uh, I think it was she had some sort of issue submitting um, an assignment on blackboard um, she thought she thought she'd submitted, but she hadn't actually hit the submit button, and it was a bit unclear on Blackboard. So yeah. she was emailing her lecturer like, "Please, could I, I'm not get the late penalty? Could you please just um, you know, let it go?" Uh, unfortunately, the lecturer in that case didn't really wasn't really lenient. Um, so what I did was I kind of contacted her and I reached out to the lecturer on her behalf, and I laid out all of her reasoning for the lecturer. You know, basically like, um, you know, here's a screenshot of this. You know, she's not changed the assignment since she's tempted to submit it like can you mm. please just reconsider so she doesn't have to go through an appeals process and everything and like the reply back from the lecture was just we will not engage the union on issues like this wow uh, please advise the student to like just uh, like explore her appeal possibilities yeah. and it's just like yeah it's just surprising to see like in some cases how hostile the university can be to, yeah. to students like the union mm. is students right yeah um, i thought that was quite shocking yeah, that, that is insane. And then, um, I, I guess on a positive note, what's been the best? Um, who, who do you think is actually the best lecturer on campus? Who do I? Oh, who do I think is actually the best lecturer? Oh, let me think. 
it's been a while since I've actually had a lecture because I've been doing honors this year, so um, been in the lab twenty four seven. Probably a bit obscure, but like, um, so I studied chemistry. I'm in the School of Chemistry and Molecular Biosciences. Uh, my favorite lecturer would probably actually be Ross McGeary, Associate Professor Mar- Ross McGeary. So he, he was my uh, third year organic chemistry lecturer, and he was just the epitome of what you would consider a really friendly and caring lecturer. Mm. You know, you'd email him, you'd be like, hey, I've got this question, um, can you please help me? And he would like email all the students to say, hey, let, let, let us host like a workshop, like an impromptu like um, tutorial workshop this Friday, like he wants to come down yeah, and cool. just talk to me. So he yeah. was definitely my favorite. That's pretty cool. All right. Uh, well, wonderful. Thanks for your time, um, Kayin. No worries. Thank you. Um, good luck in the election campaign if you are going out to a campaign. Uh, yes, I will be. All right. Wonderful. And um, have a lovely week and a lovely life as well. <laughs> Thank you, Robert. Right. Awesome. So just for the benefit of making this a time capsule for the, the future you know, student politicians, uh, let's play the final bit of uh, advice that, that Kayin Wu has for everyone. And then what, what is one lesson that you would want the next student rights vice president to learn? I think the most um, important lesson is to stand your ground. Uh, I think a lot of student representatives, they kind of, um, when they're talking to students, they know what students want. But when you get into a room full of academics, they have a certain, they have a certain talent of making mm. you, th- like manipulating you to get what they want and making you think like your position is not as valid and the student's position is not as valid. And that happened to me um, at the start of this year. I, was, I, w- I walked into meetings, I was really prepared to say like, hey, students want this. Um, academics would somehow like find a way to turn it back on me and say this is not realistic. Mm. I think what future execs need to know is just stand your ground and walk in and say like mm. this is what we want and that's it. Like just give it to us. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Um, stand your ground. Stand your ground. What does this mean? What does this mean to us? So I think it was like when you were talking before where mm. like you were going in to talk with the university about the protests Yeah. and then they like told you like oh no we'll move it here the police want it like that mm. we'll like really try to like make it not that big a deal uh and like mm. when you're in the meeting you'll think like oh yeah like they're just they're doing yeah. it for safety reasons yeah. yeah and then you come out going actually they threatened to hold me responsible for injuries if um if it was not held in said location um so maybe maybe i'm not happy with this um so you know stand your ground <laughs> yeah. stick to your guns when it comes to facing administration yeah and i think in semper in particular it's been an issue of like often you'll just get the run around by like university bureaucrats like yeah. not exactly answering your questions and you off to the office of marketing communication yeah and there comes a time where you just have to be like no nah, give me a real answer i'm not yeah. printing what you've just told me yeah uh, i know that's a lie yeah. Um, yeah. tell me something real tell me something that's worth my time and worth my reader's time um, so it's like, I think to an extent, standing your ground just means like not allowing that glacial progress to happen and instead be like, no, you're helping me out today and we're going to get an answer today and yep. that's going to be it. Yep. Yeah. I, and I think another thing, probably, this is probably what, what Kain was alluding to, uh, was that, uh, you walk into like these committee meetings and like, I don't know, you're like 19, 20 years old, maybe. Full of like a room of academics who are like I know really smart with PhDs in their fifties or something. They've been doing this for ages. They know how these committees work. They know how these faculties work. Yeah. Uh, and you're just like this random student representative. And I'm I can assure you like every person on this advocacy network would feel the exact same way. They'd walk in and be like, okay, uh, they're the experts. I'm just some random kid. Yeah. Uh, but the reality is like you're the only one who really knows what it's like to be a student right now. Correct. Yeah. Right. And I think when it's standing your ground, it's about saying like, look, when I talk to like the people in my class and like I'm in my class and I know what's happening, uh, 
and like your opinion is actually valued there too uh mm. like all these other people like in the room like sure they're like really experienced but they have a different set of experiences that like that you have yeah. like to what you have and that's what i think it means to stand your ground like you have to be confident in like what you bring to that table as part of like as that academic advocate yeah cool and so the next election is coming up like this week yeah um yeah. what what does election season mean to you uh election season just means like getting dehydrated standing out in the union complex um trying to like talk to students here and still and talk to you yeah yeah and obviously like smelling of sunscreen the whole week yeah 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 um uh, what are you looking forward to most about this year's election Oh, I think this year's election is going to be um, interesting to say the least. Obviously, what we've seen this year is the split of focus yeah. um, into empower and real students. So I think it'll be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out. Mm. Um, but I think, like, actually, the most interesting thing won't be that. It'll be um, so. What happened this year was a number of students got together and registered like five different parties to try and invalidate one of the tickets. Um, so it'd be interesting to see if they actually come out the campaign for all five of mm. those tickets because they're like the same six people, right? right? Um, so maybe they'll have one shirt each. Yeah, they'll have one yeah. shirt each, and yeah. they'll, they'll always be feeder tickets. Right? Yeah, yeah. And so uh, for posterity, we've also just recorded a little bit about what Cayenne's going to be doing next year, just so anybody looking back uh, has something to remember. Of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Cayenne, you've had a, a wonderful illustrious career as student rights vice president. What are you planning to do with the rest of your life? With the rest of my life, uh, I am, as of at the end of this year, retiring from university, graduating, okay. um, retiring from student politics as well. Um, so I'm actually going to be uh, taking up a graduate program next year in Canberra with the health department. Um, so that's really interesting stuff. Like, you know, this year in the union, I've kind of really learned how important advocacy is mm. for people. And what I really want to do is just get into the public sector and really, like, serve, serve my community more. I kind mm. of, I, I like... This might be like harsh, but I don't want to like work for a business and just be like another person right, contributing yeah. to someone's bottom line, like their profit lines, right? Like, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, that's really cool. So advocacy is uh, continuing to, to flow through your blood. Yeah, no, yeah, for sure, for sure. Right. Um, after the break, we will uh, talk to you about the focus split. So here's a message from our sponsors. <laughs> 